Hi, everybody. That's Philip. And that's Dana. And, and we're Tango. Tango. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming, Shanae. Oh, hi, guys. I really want to join into that intro. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. Our biggest note, and really just from my mother, is to fix the intro. <laughs> hey, I, I felt very welcomed, so yeah, don't fix yeah. anything. Mom. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shanae Alexander is an entrepreneur, a lifestyle personality, writer, speaker, wellness expert here in Brooklyn. The message is really to support and empower people to have better positive thinking, active change, self-love, and you host your own podcast. I do. Press Send, where you dish advice uh, to questions from listeners that they send you. Yes. Love it. About everything. About everything. Yeah, so we're, we're a year old on the pod. Love it. Happy birthday. Thank Happy you. Birthday. Happy Thank birthday. you. I feel very honored. Yeah. Um, so something that we always start with on our podcast is where everything starts for us with sex Ooh. and the birds and the bees. Yes. Oh gosh. Okay. Is it my story? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What was your birds and bees story? <laughs> um, so I remember I actually had birds and bees before I had it in school. Mm. Mm-hmm. From your so, parents? No. Oh. Um, so I... <laughs> Went to school. My arch nemesis at school, her name was Mary Liz. Um, They're always a first and last First name, last name. I'm like, two first names? (laughs) (laughs) Give me a fucking break. So Mary Liz was my arch enemy at school. She called me mouse because one time I ate cheese for breakfast. It's a long story. She was the worst. Now realizing, looking back, like, mouse is not that harsh of a criticism. But, like, we're rolling (laughs) with it. So she was my arch nemesis. So we're on the playground one day. And, you know, there was, like... Maybe I went to a poor school. We just had like a concrete tube that you could just sit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know what you mean. <laughs> you went to a poor school too? <laughs> Great. Um, so we were sitting in the tube and I remember we were like kicking the gravel rocks around the tube and it would like hit us in the eye and we didn't care. But she was telling me about sex and she goes, do you even know what sex is? I was like, yeah. How old were I, you? Fourth grade. Fourth. I okay. thought that sex to that point was taking your clothes off and kissing. Sure. Which Movie I tried sex. with my friend Melody, and my mom found us in my closet. She was like, no. She's like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're having sex. She's like, get out. <laughs> I got to call Melody's mom. Yeah. Um, but that's what I thought it was. And then Mary Liz informed me. She was like, let me tell you about it. And I was like, okay. And she's like, so the mom's headlights turn on, which are the boobs. And then the dad's car comes out of the garage, no, gets hard and then goes into the garage. And I was like, what? And I was appalled with the fact that like a body part changed like viscosity. I was, I was like, this is such a liar. Like Mary Liz is such a liar. I hate her. I went home. I was like, mom, Mary Liz told me this thing about sex. And she was like, yeah, that's, that's, she is totally right. And I was like, what? And I hated you know what? I hated the fact that a penis got hard because I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. But then also I hated that she was right. <laughs> and so I think from then on, I like just resented that fact. But um, then I, of course, had the school one, which was mostly I found about periods. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The girls sectioned off was like period Always. talk. And yeah. what age is that at? Um, I think it was in fifth or sixth grade. Okay. Um, which I already had my period. In fifth grade. And so you already knew what to do. Well, no. I I got my period in fifth grade in biology class and I ran to the bathroom because I was like, I feel weird. I pulled out my pants. I had blood on my pants. And then I was like, 
I don't know what to do. So I went back and I told my teacher that I stabbed myself in the leg and then I had to go to the nurse. And she was like, she goes, she goes, she's like, what? I was like, I cut my leg. I have to go to the nurse. And she's like, wait, wait, how did you cut your leg? I'm like, I just have to go. And then I went down to the nurse and I was like, cut my leg, gotta go home. (laughs) And she was like, the nurse was like, wait, how did you, we have to note how you, this happened. And I was just like, nope, gotta call my mom right now. My pants are bleeding. And she was like, then it, she got it. She was okay. like, okay. Yeah. So did this um, concrete tube conversation spark your first talk with your mom? Yeah, I think about sex because I was like, this can't possibly be right. So you brought it to her. It's mm-hmm. amazing. And then what did your... I, I have a question for your mom too about like... <laughs> Should we call her? She had, <laughs> she had LASIK today, so she's not in any state to be answering the phone. But, <laughs> but um... When she found you and your friend in the closet, like, what happened at that moment? Because you proclaimed to her, we're having sex. Right. You weren't yes. having sex. No. And then was she like, okay, so this is what sex is? No. no. She was just like, get out of the closet. What like, are you doing? Sure. No. She was like, put your clothes on. We're going to get arrested because your friend keeps coming <laughs> over and you're in the closet naked with her. Yeah. But also, the funny thing was, I, I immediately, like, it was sex wasn't about, to me, about the actual act of having sex it was Mm. about having a baby because the focus for women when you're younger or when whenever we were younger was babies yeah and so i had always just seen moms with babies and you're taught to play house with babies Mm -hmm. and so for me it wasn't about enjoyment pleasure it was about that you kiss get naked and then you get a baby to play with yeah which yeah, is like to play with. Yeah. Which is not how it <laughs> not works. A if huge anyone's out there wondering, definitely not how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So take us back into that health class again. Um, you said that they separated Boys and girls. Boys and girls. Um, very gendered. I was I'm from Texas, so it was extremely sure. gendered, extremely conservative. Abstinence, probably. Um, yes, abstinence for sure. Um, but you know what? Even the like act of sex, we didn't talk about it a ton. Mm-hmm. I was saying this earlier is that I don't think I ever learned that the, even the most heteronormative penis in the vagina. I don't think the it was the phrase was ever said to no. me. No, no, and I think it was like a lot more like biological part identification rather than like what you do. Yeah, and it there was no aspect to it that it was pleasurable, and it was only for. Married people. Sure. Yep. We go back to yep. this a lot. You get married yep. and then you get to have sex. Yep. Yeah. The, the mission statement of sex, which we are <laughs> unpacking episode by yep. episode, sex is for a man and a woman when they love each other, when they're married, when they're trying to have a baby. Right. And it's all wrong. Oh, yeah. Everything about that is not really what sex is about at all. But that no. was, I think, you know, and I don't blame them because I think they didn't have the ability to really explain what sex was because it's so broad. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's gotten even broader of like, of truly kind of like how sex functions. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to describe what sex is without talking about pleasure. Yes. Because even like the teacher, no matter like how conservative of an education you're getting, like they know that sex is to feel good. Right. But the one thing that they're like, dead set on not telling you is that sex is super fucking fun yeah because then you'll have it a lot and (laughs) probably have it and here's the thing i don't think it's completely malintentioned i think some of it is 
Like, they're like, hey, when you're 15 years old and you're an idiot and, like, (laughs) you're having sex without protection or not, like, able to, like, run your life, you don't want to get pregnant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can and a lot of people were raised and are fine, but it it can be much more difficult if you get pregnant before you're kind of ready. So I think they almost have to scare you out of it Mm -hmm. because they know you're going to find out the pleasure stuff on your own. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right? That was like a little amen. But, (laughs) but I think if they led with the pleasure stuff, we'd all be like, let's Let's do this. Yes. I think they should talk about masturbation more in school because I actually think that's the way, that's actually the way to get kids to be um, kind of more aware of their sexuality, but Mm -hmm. also not have to experience it with another person as early. Yes. Agreed. Completely, because part of, obviously, you mentioned not being ready to, like, take care of a baby if you're yeah, get no, pregnant and you're, like, 15. But also, like, how do you, you don't know how to be intimate when you're 15. No. Sex can breed so much intimacy. And, like, how many people would I have, like, ended up with that? Because I didn't have sex until I was 19 years old. I did a lot of other... Like, I was really towing the line of, like, <laughs> what is sex and what's sure. not. Now my my you know, kind of definition of sex is much broader. Yeah. Like, oral sex is sex, non-penetrative sex is sex. It's all sex. Masturbation is sex. Yes. But back then, like, P to V That's wasn't happening until yeah. I was 19. Yeah. But there was a lot of gray area. Yeah. Before that. Yeah. And they definitely don't talk about how all the other kinds of sex are oh, sex. Oh, and like, imagine you're, but I don't know if I want to hear my health teacher talk about giving a BJ. Honestly, don't know. In yeah. my In my school, it would be too... I would melt down. Yeah. You know when things were just too embarrassing? I think it has to do with the type of class and the teacher they bring in. Like... It would be so much easier if health class had like an outside person that came in. Right. Because they used to see this teacher every day. Yeah. 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 Someone who's like safe. It's like, I'm going to teach it all of this stuff to you and then you're never going to see me again. Yeah. You know how to contact yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Here's my but... cell phone number. <laughs> Here's the thing. They'll be like, what's your Instagram though? <laughs> um, no, I honestly think that that's why like having your parents tell you about sex is so gnarly yeah. when you're young because you're like, I have to like, like take direction from you tomorrow. Like yeah. I need to like, you need to cook my dinner yeah. and it's too intimate. So that's why I have proclaimed myself as the cool aunt to all my yeah. friends' kids. I love I'm going to be the one yes. to like tell them this stuff because they don't have to live with me. They don't have to, I'm like they safe can space. choose to cut you out of their lives. Totally. If it gets I'm okay too with embarrassing. That. Totally. You just have to deliver the message of the good stuff. Yeah, and be like, like, let's smoke your first cigarette because you probably won't like it after this. And mm. like, I wish I would have had an adult that like felt safe enough to to like tell them I got drunk or tell them I want to have sex or ask them embarrassing questions that I don't want to ask like my parents I had that I wonder if that's how I am that's probably why you are the way you are I definitely did not have that but then you know your friends become that for you or for me that happened then they don't know anything either hi everybody so it's still us and and we're we're still still tango. tango A new sex company for everybody. And everybody. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for the support that we've gotten so far. We are so excited to be releasing new episodes bi-weekly for your pleasure. And to show our love to you, we've made a promo code just for you. Check out the Tango plug, or tote, or both. Use code thank you for coming to get 15% off of your first Tango purchase at www.tangowith.us. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming. coming. I mean, just like with friends, 
you know, asking for advice. That was all I had. But even that, that was embarrassing because you also then are in this weird competitive space where you don't know who's done what. You don't know who's done what. You don't know who's telling the truth. There's this whole thing of like, am I going to get shamed for not having done that? Or am I going to get shamed for having done that? Even having a period. Even like, I didn't know who had a period. Well, I was thinking recently, like I started talking to my girlfriends about sex way before I started talking to them about masturbation. Oh yeah, totally. That wasn't until like college. Yeah, I I mean... Or even later for me. Late after college is when I started actually talking to people about masturbation. Otherwise it was like such a solo private experience. So private. And also I feel like, I feel like even when we're younger, like even with children... Like when a when a like cisgendered boy is touching his penis, it's like, ha ha ha! This is so funny. When a yeah. girl does it, like it's no, that's dirty. Not, that's we not ladylike. Do that. Like yeah. dirty. We don't do yeah. that. Yeah, and it was like always like seen as like dirty, bad. Yeah. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, uh, but this feels really good. Like I mean, the first time I ever <laughs> masturbated, I think I was like eight. And this is a really fun. Am I allowed to tell this story? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, so. That was, that was like very like, <laughs> you guys are doing good podcasting right now. You're like saying things together. We're very synchronous. Yeah, yeah I love it. It's because you're sitting so close. Um, but I was eight and I had gone, we had gone to this um, river in upstate New York that had all these like smooth stones okay. in the river. Sure. And so I was watching VH1 pop-up video. And I was like, there's some sexy music videos on, I mean, sexy when you're like eight is like low bar, you know? And I remember like being like laying there and just like touching myself and being like, that feels kind of good. And then I was like, you know what would be so good? River rocks in my my (laughs) underwear. And so I put river rocks in my underwear and was just like sitting there. I was like, this feels cool. And then I was like, what if I put them in the freezer? And I put them in the freezer. Guys, you I was advanced. advanced. I was advanced eight-year-old. Wow. Yeah. 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 What? Really advanced. All trial and error, too. Like, you had no touch point before that. No, River Rocks. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Really listening to your body. Yeah, I was like, this feels good. And then I was like, how can I make this feel better? But I think I was also just like, this is a part that, like, I've never... Like, that feeling, you're like, I, this feels good, but, like, do other people have yeah. this? <laughs> or why does it feel good? Yeah, and I'm like, do I have a special power? Because this feels good. I mean, of course, I didn't, like... I didn't come or anything. Sure. It was just, like, this feels good. Well, it's also, like, you're experiencing touch and sensation on your skin. Totally. In a lot of really public, frequent ways because they're not your private parts right. or your vagina, and so you're allowed to. And then the first time you even just, like very non-sexually touch your vagina is yeah. like oh I don't touch that very often totally it's kind like of I just moment. touch this yeah. for pain just for me yeah 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 and I mean that's I mean this is a great segue into like how we start especially for cis women like shaming bodies so young like you said for like when you're touching yourself like it becomes a very shameful thing and is kind of just like breeding like ongoing like body issues right. in cis women at really young ages and a huge part of like your practice is this like new idea of like body confidence mm-hmm. which I love but honestly I want to know like really what the difference for you between body positivity and body confidence is Yeah. So I think it's a really important kind of division. So I have been like a lot of different shapes and sizes my whole life. So I was 
when I was at my heaviest weight, it was 225 and I was actually like the most confident. Like mm. I was so like cool with the way I looked. I was cool with my body. I didn't, I didn't even really know that I was supposed to feel bad about it. Hmm. Um, which was until I was like 22, 23. And then I went on kind of like a health journey, but not really because I didn't like my body. Cause I like made a bet with a guy friend literally. <laughs> and we were like, I was like, I'm going to like, I like projects. Mm-hmm. So my project was like, I'm like, I want to learn how to work out and I want to like eat healthier. And so it became more about learning for me than f- like a, a deeply rooted hatred of my body. And I think that's why I was able to do it for a long time mm-hmm. and why I continue to be able to do it. But I ended up losing 70 pounds. I was like the smallest I'd ever been. Hated my body at the time. Hmm. Like even though everyone else was kind of resounding, you know, you look great. You look amazing. You're so fit. You're so this. You're so pretty. There at the end of the day, like at the core of who I was, I didn't like what I looked like because mm-hmm. I had just paid so much attention to it mm. and I became very critical. Yeah. And so then I kind of was like, all right, I got to like get back to like a place of, of confidence and a place of happiness. And so gained like 15 pounds of like sanity weight, but not like intentionally just was like more relaxed with yeah, myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was you like gave maybe permission. yeah, and maybe I was like, hey, I don't need to work out seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. Like this is actually like disordered thinking, and I don't want to have that in my life anymore. So I changed back. But then I kind of was on Instagram at this time, and I spent a lot of my time on Instagram because of my work. And I was just seeing this like body positive movement, and I was part of it, and I was speaking to it, and then I was like, some for some reason this doesn't feel right. Yeah, like. Was it that it felt inauthentic or it didn't feel like the it messaging? Feel, it didn't feel possible. Mm. Like who can wake up every day and feel positive about their body every day? It's not possible. So then I realized mm. there was this layer of shame. Yeah. Well, there's two layers of shame. There's just one layer of shame of like, I don't know how to feel that way all the time. And then this other shame of, I don't feel like that today. And so I've failed myself right. even mm. in this. Right. So it's like shame on shame. Right. And I was like, this sucks. So I kind of moved, moved more towards like body confidence, body neutrality, because to me it, it allowed for negativity to still be there because Mm -hmm. negativity is realistic. It's humanity. We're never going to not, we're never going to wake up every day and be like, I look fucking awesome and perfect every single day. Yeah. But I think the movement should move more towards not thinking about your body as much. So when you fill yourself up with, with, things that you're good at outside of what you look like, pursuing passions, focusing on others, giving, being more gra- more gratitude-filled in general, I think you stop focusing so much on your body. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it, it, it has less power in your life mm-hmm. and it takes up less space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that, to me, is how you breed confidence is because you're a much more balanced person because you feel you feel so much more appreciation about a lot of different things in your life mm-hmm. um, rather than just kind of like the physical body. Yeah, the positivity element comes more naturally as totally. opposed to being like, oh, I have to be positive totally. about this thing. And therefore, if I'm not, I'm failing. Mm-hmm. And and I think just taking the pressure off of us, like I've, I've said this before, I've had Victoria's Secret supermodels come on my podcast and they like don't like their body. So I'm like, well, if you don't like your body, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like... 
we're like everybody feels this way I don't care if you're in a larger body in a smaller body short tall whatever it is you can find fault with yourself yeah. so let's stop punishing ourselves for finding fault but let's just focus on other things yeah has your relationship with your body and all the changes that you've gone through both mentally and physically had an effect on your sex life both like with yourself and with other people um totally I mean I think I was always um like pretty uninhibited um with I I never like when I, I a lot of people tell me like um, when they have sex, they're really worried about how they look or appear mm. lights off very much yeah. like whatever. I just never really had that experience. Cause I really did. I was very comfortable with myself, even at my like largest body. Um, so it's interesting because I answer those questions all the time because people write in and they're like, um, my husband wants to have sex with the lights on that scares the fuck out of me. I don't want to do that. Do you have any advice? And really like, the only thing that kind of helps me anytime I do have like a little bit of doubt is kind of going back to the fact that like I am confident in myself. I love myself. I am, mm-hmm. I am like not only worthy of being there, I'm a fucking delight. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's like, if you get to see me with, without my clothes and with the lights on, God bless you. Yeah. What a gift. <laughs> yeah. What a gift. Yeah. You know, like, and, and never once, you know, I always think also, I always try to put myself in the other person's position in these kinds of situations. And it's like, when have I been really, really super critical of a partner's body? Mm. Not never. Right. Never. Like, if I'm never like, you're getting to the point where you're in bed together, yeah. you want their body. Yeah. yeah. All parts of their body. Well, and and you're to that stage. And so when you can put yourself in their brain, you're like, oh yeah, why would I? They Like, yeah, people yeah, don't yeah. do this. Yeah. Like, we make up scenarios in our head to make ourselves feel anxious and I think when you really do flip the scenario around you're like wait this is actually not a real valid thought that people have yeah 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 and and if it is that's probably not the right fit of a relationship Mm -hmm. anyway but it just it just doesn't happen no it doesn't it doesn't happen if you're in the throes you're just horny yeah (laughs) you're not thinking about like that one stray body hair or like a a stretch mark you're just like I'm super horny let's have sex literally I remember asking a boyfriend I said because I have stretch marks from losing weight and gaining weight things like that long term we fluctuate so much life is very long there's going to be all different kind of stages all different Mm -hmm. kinds of body forms like and being okay with that it takes some of the stress off of five pounds ten pounds like Mm -hmm. looking more fit at one time missing workouts it just takes the stress out because i'm like i'm on this very long path Yeah, yeah 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 rather than this sprint Exactly. And the five pounds you're just never going to remember at the end. Also, who the hell cares? Yeah. It's like, true. <laughs> really. Like, uh, it's, it's, we, we've put ourselves in a really, like, strange place where we, um, we micromanage our health so much mm-hmm. and it causes us so much anxiety and stress. And I'm like, yeah. you know what the, the worst thing for, like, health is? Is stress. Yeah. Yes. Literally, yeah. you yeah. are going to give yourself a bad heart. Yeah, with yes. that amount, of and you stress. might lose weight. You might gain weight. You you will cause yourself like to be going Absolutely. down all sorts of roads with your health. And I think we put way too much pressure on it, particularly like women. Yeah, I mean, I recently went on a health 
kind of accidental weight loss health journey and I realized that cardio is actually like ruining my body mm, and yeah. I'm like I'm similar to you like I love goals I love skill I love being totally. able to be, like learn this new thing become the best at it and when my like workout journey became really successful was when I was like oh I want to be so fucking strong yeah I want to feel strength in every movement I make and I started working out with that mindset and I I never think about like inches or weight loss or the type of workout I'm doing. I'm just doing something physical and thinking like, oh, these muscles right here. Totally. They're fucking fired up. Yeah. Or like, I remember like whenever I'd wear it with my trainer, I don't work out with him anymore. Oh, <clears throat> miss you, Oscar. But like, it would, it wouldn't be about like, I didn't weigh myself for many, many years after I lost weight. I was like, this sucks. I'm not, I'm not like weighing myself. Even when I, I go bet, to the doctor, I've I don't weigh myself. I've weighed myself since 2012. Yeah. It's great feeling. It feels so good. I have no idea. I could I could weigh anything right now. Yeah. It's a great feeling and you really can and, and this is like a tip for anyone listening. Like when you go to the doctor, because a lot of people put off going to the doctor because they don't want to know how much they weigh. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that multiple times. It seems like such a small thing, but people are like, I don't want to know how much I weigh. You're allowed to go to the doctor yes. and say, Please don't tell me how much I weigh and don't yes. look at the scale. And yes. then they'll privately note that. I always say, please don't let me know how much I weigh. If it's a problem and it's something like obviously detrimental to my health please let me know yeah but like if it's just like noting it on my file you don't have to tell me yes and it's crazy because it's this one weird little thing that holds us up Mm -hmm. but you wouldn't believe how many people have written me and saying they they, they didn't go to the doctor because of that i'm so glad that you brought it up because not enough people know that i learned that a long time ago i on every single like nyu lingo and like doctor chart it says do not Tell yep. me my weight. Do not ask me my weight. Yep. It's 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 a really powerful thing, especially if it's something that's going to stop people from potentially getting checkups, getting yearly yes. exams, getting gynecological yes. exams. Like, Go get your pap smear. Yeah. Yes. Do it. You don't have to know that. So if it's yes. hindering you, just you can say no. Well, well, I think just as a woman, being able to go to a doctor's office and advocate for your body is something you have to totally. learn. You have to learn. And honestly, even as anyone, I remember my brother being like, eight years old and having a pediatrician like stick a finger in my brother's butt to like check something and not ask permission beforehand first kind of moment of understanding consent right Right. in power dynamics and realizing that like when you're a child when you're a different body you have to be an advocate in a doctor's office oh totally crazy that they didn't warn him that they were going to do that I think they were like, he's a kid. I don't really have to tell him right. because he, like, the kid's not going to understand regardless of what I say. Oof. I know. That was a different time. It not was, a good yeah. time. I mean, it was like, the, I mean, whoa. I don't know how old you guys are. I was like a kid in like the 90s. And yeah. And I was like, wow. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my my mother always accompanied me with in doc in any sort of doctor's office room until it was. I think now a lot of times they have to even in doctor's uh, rooms that I've been in lately they have to have um, a female, a female nurse, nurse yeah. inside the doctor's office. Even when I was like doing like LASIK or anything like that, mm-hmm. there was always like someone there. If you have anesthesia, yes, of any kind, yeah. there has to be like a some sort of like female staff member present. 
Wow. Yeah. It says a lot. It says a lot. <laughs> it but does. It, but it makes you feel better. Oh, totally. But, would, it, but it's, it's, a, it's a shame that that has to be the case. Yes. Because obviously there was precedent set yes. of like why that would need to be the case. Yeah. But also I'm, I'm very thankful for that system being in place. It just sucks that it has to be there. Well, so metaphorically, what's going on in like these doctor's offices, what we're talking about, and also like what is going on in our sex lives is like we first have to undo the trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once we've undone the trauma, then we can get to a place where we're almost like a blank canvas right and then we're like ready to learn something new yeah i think that's why it's so important to have these kinds of conversations about sex first of all to be open about like what we learned how we learned but then also like what we know now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then also um i know so many people are talking about sex in in a public space or even with friends Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. they do not do it yeah. And you know what, what, what's the most interesting thing is on my podcast, I have people write in and they can check the box if they want to be anonymous. Every mm. single sex question I've ever gotten on the podcast has been anonymous. Mm. Oh, interesting. So that says something Ugh. about how people want to be tied to their sex life or not. Wow. You know, whether it's sometimes I'm sure it's for the privacy of a partner, but a lot of times it's questions about people's personal sex lives, mm-hmm. um, and personal like dating lives. And it's always anonymous. Yeah, wow. Is it mostly from a place of, like, lack of tools and, like, how to commute or, like, lack of tools and, like, how to actually, like, do something sexually or lack of tools for communication and, like, how to breach Hmm. a topic? You know what I found, and I have a sex therapist come to my podcast quite frequently because I don't want to be the one. I can dispel sex advice as a friend. I don't want to dispel well as a human who has sex yes not as like a Uh, professional of any means i mean we always say that like everybody's an expert of their own body yes and if you fuck and you have a body you've got some expert in you yeah Yeah. there's expert but i don't want to tell people especially people that have been dealing with trauma i don't want to like deal in that world so i have a professional come Mm -hmm. on but you talk about a lot about sex in general and what i find is the most common thing is there's so much shame around sex and um performance mm. like totally. um the the fact that I put out on my podcast that I feel like I got the most response to is that 70 per, 70 to 80 percent of women can't orgasm through penetration alone yeah. and the amount of people that wrote in after that like what yeah <laughs> I had no idea yeah. I thought I was a freak and like yes. that is that was such a common resounding thing of people saying that there's no there's no information like that out there for me. Yeah. I didn't know that, so I thought I was abnormal right. because porn, because movies, because media tells us that you're supposed to be able to come from penetration alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like the fact that like that was such a like ground shaking thing for people, I was like, wow, we really don't have spaces to talk about this stuff. Yes. No, and like I mean, what what they're doing in the classroom is like they're teaching sex only up until the point that um, someone with a penis comes yeah, because right. then it means die. then right. it means procreation, <clears throat> right? And then the thing that they're doing in movies is that they're painting it as this like, if it's so good, it'll happen at the same time, yes. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, which <laughs> which is like lies, Manelli lies. I think that happened. <laughs> I think that's literally happened one time in my entire life, and I was like, what happened? Yeah. I don't well, know. Yeah. Like literally, I was like this. I need to note this moment forever because yeah. it will never happen again. But the fact that like, I think especially in media and porn and things like that, if you're looking at like a hetero relationship, it's always portrayed as like the woman is the object of pleasure and yeah. it's, it is definitely performative yeah. exactly, rather than pleasurable. 
And that for me was always the problem. And I think that's why so many people believe that they're supposed to be performative in how they have sex Mm -hmm. rather than actually like making the noises that you actually want to make. Talking the way you want to actually talk. You know, asking for the, like, I mean, that's a huge question we get is about like, people asking for what they need, they feel very uncomfortable with that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because they don't want their partner to think they're weird. They have some strange fetish that they don't want to make often for, you know, at least kind of cis women, they don't want to make their partner feel shamed. Mm -hmm. It's this thing of like, I don't want to make them feel bad by telling them that they're not, my clit is not on my inner thigh. You know, they're like, I, how do I communicate this? Because I think there's a lot of empathy when it comes to sex too. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, like, I've been with lots of guys who are like, hey, I don't like that. <laughs> so I don't know if it just goes one or What if I'm just, I'm getting reflective. I'm like, what if I'm no. bad at sex? No. Uh, fine. I'm good at sex. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I think I think that people have so many roadblocks mm-hmm. into um, wanting to ask things because either you're like Yahoo answering um, or <laughs> you're like watching porn yeah, or sure. you're getting whatever you're expectations are from a partner sure right I mean, and I, like who knows if they have if they're well equipped to be teaching you <laughs> again probably not no no your I, friends are not a good superstar <laughs> i think a huge setback of the performances we're seeing right in media or in porn are that they're like eliminating mistakes entirely totally which is where like that shame comes in of like i don't i feel like I don't want to say the wrong thing or make the wrong noise, like, right? Because you only see the mm-hmm. perfect noise, the perfect this. But, like, in reality, like, you're, if you're, like, in it, you're saying some weird shit. You're oh, making yeah. some weird noises. Like, no one wants to revisit those noises. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has a whiff of poop once in a while. You <laughs> queef, you fart. Yes. Um, it's super sweaty. Sometimes, it's dirty. sometimes, sometimes you're in a weird position and you're like, this isn't working. Also, where is the cleanup? Yeah. Where is the cleanup Thank element? Thank you. You never see the girl running to the toilet. No. No. After, you never no. see you never like see wipes come out. There, yeah. Just covered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay. okay. <laughs> like, you never like, hey, do you want to watch something now? Like, you yeah, never yeah, see yeah. like, it always feels like it has to be this like crazy passionate moment yeah, that both yeah, people yeah. come and the lights go off and that's it. And then just, we're asleep now. Totally. <laughs> I actually like, wish more TV and porn showed that part of sex because yeah. that's the part that like is true intimacy. Yeah. Is when you're like both naked and weird and there's like jizz everywhere and you're like, eh, like yeah. get the wipes. Or, yeah. Like, Let's yeah. go in the shower. Or like or, sprint to the bathroom. Or you're like, oh shit, I gotta go pee because I don't want to get a UTI today. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like those kinds of things like never appear. So I feel like there's also a lot of um, mystery when it comes to like actual real life sex yeah. and then people feel like I'm doing it wrong yeah. because it doesn't look like porn. Yeah. So you've brought up intimacy a couple times now in a way that I think is really fascinating and I want to okay, ask you great. about oh, because you've said <laughs> sex sometimes can build to intimacy yeah. and then you've said that those human moments, those mistakes are the most intimate. So in your ordering of things, it's not, you know, like you're intimate with someone, you are like having that close personal connection and then fucking. Right. It's like, let's just fuck and then like explore each other and through the exploration of each other, you're yeah. finding intimacy. I think it can happen a lot of ways. Like, I think that's like the complexity of, of intimacy in yeah. general is that um, it's not a chicken or the egg thing. I sure. think I think there are people that I've had sex with 
very early on and that helps build intimacy mm-hmm. i think the act of itself act of sex itself is extremely vulnerable in mm-hmm. its nature mm-hmm. yeah and so that in and of itself it has to build intimacy yeah because of the the nature of it like being completely naked in front of someone desiring things coming not coming like it pleasure all of it yeah that is an intimate thing it is the height of kind of like physical exposure it's the height of i mean vulnerability of what you need to ask for it takes a yeah. lot of communication mm-hmm. at least good sex and does being, and in this also weird way like being selfish like let giving totally. yourself permission to be like oh i really like that mm-hmm. yeah and i'm gonna be selfish and like i don't want to be embarrassed of asking you to continue pleasing me totally or like telling someone what feels good what doesn't feel good like yeah. being really honest so i don't think that sex is needed for intimacy, but I think it helps grow intimacy in all ways. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you have to have sex to be intimate with someone, but I definitely think it shows a different side of Mm -hmm. intimacy. And I do think like one thing that I kind of managed to do with all of my dating, I dated a lot in New York and a lot of times I wouldn't have, I would hold off on sex for quite a while with people. And it wasn't because I didn't want to have it or I thought sex was bad or that I had any rules. It was more mm-hmm. because I wanted to unlock that intimacy with the people that I wanted to be intimate with rather than just anybody. I mean, yeah. I definitely had one night stands and things like that, but that wasn't me craving necessarily like that brand of intimacy for myself. And so I, I used it almost as like, this I know is going to make me feel away. This is, this is, a, I want this for certain people. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of a, like labor that goes into it. I mean, can be exhausting. To, yeah. Well, and also just like for me, there is emotional, and I know lots of people can have sex without emotion or like connection. I personally, like my journey is like less of that. Yeah. Um, I think, I actually think it, this is like therapy session. I start crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You guys don't charge, do you? (laughs) So I think when I was younger, my first introductions to sex were definitely um, much more wild party girl type environment. Even though I wasn't having like penetrative sex, like even my first sexual experiences were always had this wild kind of like tint to them. They always were like random or like, they had they felt that they had to be really like outlandish almost mm. and so i think for me my first experiences with sex and that sort of connection they weren't really based in any emotion mm. or empathy or vulnerability they were really just like very performative but also like extreme and so mm. i think in my older years i've kind of scaled back from that mm-hmm. because i kind sure. of wanted to reclaim what sex meant for me it wasn't mm-hmm. like hey, let me go get fingered on a playground or like make out with this like, you know, 40-year-old bartender at a bar in Mexico and like give a guy a blowjob in the bathroom. Like I don't need sex to be that. Yeah. And I think I wanted to to take it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Not that any of that's bad, but just for myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, that didn't feel meaningful. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like it was all very social. Yes. And very public. Yes. And in a way like needing to like bring it back to like a solo experience or yeah. a private experience that was either like for you or for you and someone else. And also I think I I think at that time like hookup culture was like 
fairly new in the media of being kind of shown as this cool thing. It was like mm. that real world vibe. You know, it was sure. like yeah. that was being portrayed as like that's how you became cool. Yeah. yeah. Is that you were very free. But I think what the messaging was missing was that like, yes, you can be free doing that, but you can also be free by owning whatever you want your sex life to look like. And I think that's what I was missing. So I think in my 20s, I kind of railed it, railed it back a little bit from that. So one thing that we are aiming to do is like relearn and unlearn kind of constantly with our guests, with yeah. ourselves and on this podcast, asking every guest to help us learn something new. So I'm really curious for you to define a word for us. And we've talked a lot about it in different contexts and I'd love to hear just what your definition of shame is. I think shame is, you know, I think it's fake. I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a fake thing. I think mm. it's a, um, it's a false attribute that we put on ourselves. It's a made up thing. It's, mm. it's a fantasy mm. and it's a bad fantasy. Mm. And I think it's something that, um, we implicate ourselves in and it's not, it can be from other sources, but I think it's most frequently put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time it just isn't real. Hmm. Um, and it takes that reality check. Like within shame, I think you have to do that reality check of like, is this real? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I can imagine that this table's here, but until I like knock on it and see if it's real, um, it's not. And so I think for me, whenever I go back to that, idea of putting myself in let's say I feel shame about let's take it out of sex for a second I didn't show up to a friend's birthday Mm -hmm. because I was not feeling well or I was busy or whatever when I feel that guilt shame around that kind of thing I go okay if the situation was reversed and if I was in that person's position would I actually care Like, do I need to carry this? Like, do I need to carry this right Mm -hmm. now? And I'm like a Virgo perfectionist. So I do tend to like lean towards guilt, shame, perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what's helped me undo shame a little bit is um, dealing in the reality of it. What, what, what percentage of it is reality and what percentage Hmm. percentage of it is anxiousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think through therapy and through like really grounding people, but also a lot of self-work, of you're allowed to have the feeling and emotion of shame, but like what percentage of it is is real? And then how do I deal with that piece? Mm-hmm. And so that's the actual issue. It, it isn't this huge shame cloud that we build. So, Ooh, shame cloud. Shame cloud, oh. yeah. It's my new album <clears throat> Shame cloud. I definitely get what you mean by it. I mean, when you first said like it's not real, I was like, elaborate but you know (laughs) I I had a teacher tell me once that they felt like the most useless emotion was guilt Mm. and I totally resonated with that because it's it's in the past there's nothing active about it right and shame is sort of like guilt in the present yeah Mm. and Philip look at you and it's like (laughs) and therefore useless yeah um <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it really is and the thing is the only time i think it's not useless is when you can get in there and see what's actually going on when mm. you can use it for active change mm. i think mm. then it can become helpful because for me like um for example like having sex for the first time like the way i lost my virginity was like 
at the time I felt like a certain level of shame about it just because I was like, this is not supposed to be the way it happens. Yeah. But then digging down and taking the time over the years to go, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like what is supposed to happen exactly? Right. Where is that coming from? And it really had me kind of like dig into, well, what are the things that grounded me with those ideas that were in that shame cloud? Is it, was it, religious beliefs I was brought up with was it lack of education Mm -hmm. was it societal norms was it like kind of like heterosexual thinking like what was it that kind of brought me to that place of shame Mm -hmm. and actually the shame propelled me into learning Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. redefining and so I don't think shame is a bad thing necessarily but it's like what do you do with it yeah yes which brings me to you and your brand and who you are like you are a public facing person that is constantly honestly I feel like your whole Instagram present is like anti-shame yeah (laughs) it's like it's like clearly someone who just like there is no shame involved in any photo and any caption like you're the words you you write like very like heartfelt long like in-depth personal captions and the photos are often like sometimes like very personal very private and how so how are you bringing all of these thoughts about shame about body confidence into your Instagram, into your brand, and how is, like, your community either, like, helping you or hurting you? And, like, how how is this relationship existing? So um, I started my Instagram presence. Um, I never, like, wanted to be, like, a quote-unquote influencer or whatever. Like, I never intended for that to be my life. And so I think from the very beginning, I really just wanted to, like, be myself. And so showing up at my as myself... Um, looks really different when it's in front of that many people and and in influencer world I'm on the like very mid low end of influencers like people have millions and millions of followers so but even so even with my like community to me every time I write something or I have a photo or something where I feel this pit in my stomach where I feel really nervous to to post it Mm -hmm. I know that that is the best thing I can do Mm. and so really listening like if you want to actually connect with people, you have to share things that make you afraid or make mm-hmm. you feel something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you want to make content that makes people feel something, you have to feel it while you make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so often I when I have that pit in my stomach of like, like this feels personal or this feels scary or that's when I find the doubt that creeps in most often is like, will people care? Hmm. And that's when I know I'm onto something. Yeah. Because I it's something so personal that I wonder if people will care and that I might be hurt if they don't. Mm. And that's why I feel like it's important to share. Well, I feel like you're giving them an example. Yeah. And right? and the thing is, is it's often not, um, my content isn't like, here's how you live your best life. Yeah. It's here's what I'm learning, what I've learned, what I'm thinking, what I want to share about my own life. And I don't yeah. even tell people how to live their life. Yeah. I want to live my life openly in front of people mm-hmm. and help if if they learn something from that, good. If mm-hmm. they gain bravery from that, good. If they learn vulnerability from it, good. But it's not my job to teach people, it's my job to be honest. Hmm. And I think that's what connects to people is because they're like, I'm just seeing you live your life authentically. I always tell people, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be your fullest form. Yeah. So like, that's not why. I'm not teaching you how to be me. Mm-hmm. I want you to be you, but I want you to do it very unapologetically. And so 
I have to be the example of that. And so, yeah, when I feel like, oh, like this picture is actually like, quote unquote, better of me than Mm. this one. It's like, well, why? Is it because I look smaller? Is that what I'm Mm. really thinking? Do I look, is it more, quote unquote, flattering? Like, okay, well then that's not the message I want to put out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually like anti the message I want to put out. So yeah. do the more brave thing and show up as your full self. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's been a really interesting thing. I think my community definitely helps me. I get a lot of messages every day of just like, you're helping me be myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're helping me through this. Like I had a message this morning that was a really, really lovely one. And she was like, the last time I wrote you, I was in such a dark place. And I want you to know that since that point, of messaging you, I've done all these things and I, I'm out on the other side of it and I feel like the best I've ever felt. And I, I chalk it up a lot to like reading your words and I don't take credit for that like that, but, but definitely if I can be a touch point for people, mm-hmm. a point in their day where they check in and go, this recenters me a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I did my job. How does intimacy play into I was just gonna ask. your... Y'all are so cute. <laughs> I was just going to ask. Yeah, it feels like you're, you have a very intimate relationship with those that follow you. Yeah. Um, and how you bring intimacy into those relationships that are less IRL and more digital. Yeah, and and it is IRL too. Like, so I have a lot of meetups. I mean, I probably have, I, I get like probably 200, 300 messages on Instagram a day, but oh, I, wow. but probably like 100 of those are people that check in every day. Wow. Um, and you know, out of 150 something thousand people, that's not that big of a percentage, but to, how many of us check in with a hundred people every day? Uh, no oh one. My God. None. 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 And so it's Maybe amazing. only an elementary school teacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gym teacher. Yeah. Where you see every student. You see every kid. Yeah. But like the fact that that many people want to check in with me in some way, like even if it's sending an emoji, if it's liking a post, if it's just whatever... It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And and um, I think, honestly, that's why I feel really fulfilled with what I do is because I feel like I'm actually creating real relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, people that mm-hmm. I see at an event or whatever, I want that to feel seamless. I mm-hmm. want that to be, like, I walked off a page and into their life, mm-hmm. not um, this is the digital version, this is the IRL yeah. version. And so... Um, I want to create that experience and the only way to create that experience is to really be your full self online, which Mm -hmm. is hard for most people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we do have this intimate relationship. I mean, I'm often, I mean, for example, I had a, a part of my community when a a woman that reached out and she's like, my husband cheated on me. We're going through this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal. Like, do I forgive him? Do I not? And I kind of gave her some advice just on DM and what was so crazy is a year later, her husband reached out and he, and she was, no. he was like, the advice that you gave my wife saved our marriage. We're now like in a very happy marriage. He's like, thank you for having that conversation with my wife. And they continued to like be in touch. And they were like, just wanted to tell you like, this helps us. Yeah. And oh so situations God. like that where you're like, holy shit, like. Sometimes it scares me because I'm like, oh my God, are people actually listening to my advice? <laughs> like, but I think that's a good thing. But but you don't really understand that intimate impact yeah. until you see examples of it. You know, and people saying to me, like, you gave me advice and I got out of an abusive relationship. Mm. And now I'm like in therapy. Or, you know, people being like for the first time, like, 
something as simple as like I wore a sports bra to the gym to work out and I didn't feel like shit about myself. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. whatever it is, like that's the type of connection that I expect from Instagram, which is maybe mm-hmm. expecting a lot, but it's, it's, yeah. it's like for me, that's the bar. Wow. Well, it's kind of amazing because I feel like for most people you hear, oh, my relationship to Instagram made me less honest, less intimate, right. intimate, less authentic, and that translates into their like IRL lives. Yeah. But it almost sounds like by cultivating as much authenticity and honesty online as you could, you're strengthening what you can give IRL. Right. I mean, like, here's the thing. No hate on fashion bloggers that like to talk about shoes, but like none of their people are going to come up to them and talk about their their relationship that's ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, while you know, yeah, I, lo- I love shoes. I, I talk about <laughs> shoes too. Like, life, we're yeah. very multifaceted. We're all wearing people. shoes. <laughs> we're, all, we're all multifaceted people that can like a lot of things, and we can talk deep and we can talk shallow. But the thing is, is like I feel very honored to have created a community where people can feel like they can actually tell me things and they feel like I'm their friend. And and I and I am their friend. Yeah. I don't I may not know them yet, but I am mm-hmm. their friend. Like and I treat them that way and I want them to treat me that way. And I think that's why my community is so kind of positive mm-hmm. and it feels like they just like know me so well. Mm-hmm. Um and they trust me and I trust them. Like, I trust them with those things and they trust me back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I'm still, like, reveling in this, like, marriage story. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think incredible. it's pretty incredible. And I mean, like, go- it goes back to some of the, what you were saying about the advice that you give was that, like, shame, what it... Let me get my brain straight. <laughs> um, people, well, people want to talk. I mean, it goes back to, I think you were saying something like, people are, like, aren't talking about sex like, in public. They're anonymous when they're asking questions right. on your podcast. And like, but people want to tell you. Like, People want mm-hmm. to, to tell you that thing about well, their cheating husband. And also the thing sex. is, like, they did, they quote unquote, fucked up and they want to know what to do and like the like we have these like hard and fast rules that like we have like you know i'm sure that like that woman who asked like for advice there was probably 10 people in her life who were saying like leave him like he cheated you leave him yeah as opposed to like then really exploring like am i going to define this person who I have an intimate relationship with by one action out of a million that, that we make together. Right. And I kind of gave her two paths, honestly. I was like, look, if you want to go down the path of forgiveness, this is what that has to look like. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, that's cool too. But whatever you, like, know that you have options yeah. in here. And also, like, both options, even as two separate things, have a lot of different roads. Yeah. And so I basically said, like, you know, if you want to forgive someone for this, if you want to be with this person, you have to actually do the work, both of you, of forgiveness and, like, going down that path in, like, mm. actionable steps. And you have to actually be able to let it go. Yeah. But if you think you can't let it go, like, I'm a bitch. If someone cheats on me, I can't let it go. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I know that about myself. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. about the internal self-work mm-hmm. of knowing what you can handle. Mm-hmm. Personally, if someone cheats on me, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But that's not a hard and fast rule for everybody, mm-hmm. nor yeah. should it be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if you're a person that can get past it, if you're a person that... 
and truly won't harbor that. Yeah. And like five years later, you remember when you did that thing? Yeah. Like, that's not yeah, growth. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I said, if, if you want to let it go, because everyone in her life was just like, leave him. Yeah. Leave him, leave him, leave him. And I'm like, look, if I was in your position, I'd probably leave him. But if you want to stay, here's like a potential way you could do that. Wow. And, and for me, it's like whenever I give people advice or talk online, I always am trying to be honest about what works for me. But also I'm like, but there are a million ways to live your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I want you to embrace. I want you to actually like, who the fuck are you? What do you find important? What do you care about? What are your like internal values? Not the ones placed on you by society, your parents, religion, whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you actually want for your life? Mm-hmm. Go get it. Mm-hmm. Go get it. I think the amazing thing about talking about these things openly is that that's when you hear the options. Totally. And you don't know you have options sometimes. Yeah. And whether it's about a relationship or sex or sexuality or your body, it's like, I think that is what influencers are doing really well is showing like a variety of options. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, make sure that your feeds are filled with a diverse group of people and voices and, and, and like that identify, like that's why on my podcast, I have people from all walks of life, different ages, different sexual orientations, like everything. Like I want people to go, I can, everyone can come to the table here and find something that resonates Mm -hmm. from a lot of different voices. Like if your Instagram feed is all people that look like you, you need to like reevaluate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I really urge anyone listening, like look at who you're following on social media and if they all look like you or some version of you, that's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Give yourself options. Yeah. Yeah. And also like you will, you will grow from from a, a wide variety of voices being in your life. Yeah. It's so funny. I once had someone over my shoulder as I was scrolling through Instagram and I was liking photos and I was literally liking every single photo that I went past. <laughs> and they were Thank like... Thank you. We appreciate you. <laughs> and I was like... They were like, wow, you like have a really high like ratio. And I was like, well, I only follow these people because I, I love all of their... Right. All yeah. of the content. Right. Like, I follow I, them because I like them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not hate following everybody. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, I think it's really important. And also I think um, we don't realize how much the curation of the people in our lives, social or not, really does affect our output. Mm-hmm. It really does mm-hmm. affect our mindset. Like, you know, I kind of do this exercise once a year, but I basically go through it and, and I, and you have to do this quick. So if <laughs> anyone's at home, you got to do this quick, get your notepad out. But yes, a notepad, a pen, yeah. to believe it or not. And um, give yourself like a minute. Who are the people that give you life? Write them all down. And then then start thinking about the people you spend time with and like how many people appear on that list mm. and how many people don't. Yeah. And I think it's not about cutting those people out. It's about managing the amount of energy and time you give people. And I think that I can go for social too. Like if 90% of the people that you follow make you fucking hate yourself, yeah. you should probably uh, clean out your feet. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think that's how you get rid of a lot of body shame. I think that's how you get rid of a lot of sex shame. I think that's how you get rid of a lot of relational kind of guilt and shame that we all feel. Mm-hmm. It's like do that inventory constantly. Like clean out your fucking closet, take those people to Buffalo Exchange, sell them. <laughs> <laughs> like that. trade them in for some, from some extra pocket money or something. I wish I could get some money from unfollowing people. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram, if you're listening. Your business model. Well, I think that you've honestly just outlined like the foundation of being able to 
unlearn something and relearn you Mm -hmm. have to clean house whether it's like clean headspace clean friend group clean closet you clean you remove you excavate and then you learn on top of it yeah you have to make room to be able to add more stuff in just how our brains work Shanae, thank you so much for coming on the show um everybody check out the pod press Press send. send And then um, you can also find me on Insta. On at Insta. Shanae Alexander, C H I N A E Alexander, the normal way it's always spelled. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for coming. And thank you for listening. <laughs>